0: Hey everybody, it's officially draft season and we here at Upside Swings couldn't do what we do without Global Shop Solutions ERP software. Simplify your manufacturing by scheduling a demo at globalshopsolutions.com. Thanks again for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Upsides so to be NBA Draft Podcast, the podcast the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined us by the great Stone Hanson and the next in our wonderful series of guests, the great Brendan Nunez. Um, Brendan uh, has been, I think this is his third year on the pod to talk Kings, um, and he wor- He is the host of the Kings Pulse, and he writes for the Kings Herald, one of my favorite like individual uh, team guys to follow. And this was a fun year for the Kings to follow, so I, I, I kept up with this work pretty frequently. Um, I watched this team a lot. Brendan my friend how you doing? I'm doing
1: well thanks for having me on guys this actually is the third year huh? That's yeah crazy. it's it's uh
0: it's been that kind of year where it's like it's it's crazy to think that it's been three years because last year was so different from our first year but it has been this is the third year and uh of course we're, we're always excited to have you on you uh I think last year actually the Kings were our first 30 for 30 pod I think you were our first guest last year so so it's, uh, it's exciting to have you back my man. Stone, i my probably friend. was
1: ranting about how i hope they don't take keegan at four <laughs> <And> <laughs> now, look at me now
0: I, we had we did uh have a long talk about how he i think we were like keegan is like the safe obvious pick but not the fun pick and we wanted ivy but I, again looking back on it uh, it's probably hard to be too, too mad uh stone my friend before we get too into the kings how you doing
2: uh great uh running on absolute fumes uh during this time of year um struggling to keep my eyes open every waking moment. But I'm excited to talk to Brendan., uh, the Kings were a really fun team, so uh, I always look forward to his uh, his time on the podcast. and it should be a fun breakdown,
0: yeah. i'm I've had about twelve cups of coffee today, so i'm I'm a little more I'm a little more jazz than you so, but uh, that's uh, that's how this tends to go. Brendan, of course, the Kings had a fascinating year this year. They um were the third seed. They were one of the best offenses in basketball. Mike Brown, one coach of the year. Everything seemed like it clicked with the Sabonis, with De'Aaron Fox, with this new kind of core of shooters around those guys. I mean, Malik Monk and Kevin Herter basically acquired for very, very little. Um, you got Keegan Murray in the draft last year, who was another great shooter. Harrison Barnes had a solid shooting year. Trey Lyles had a really good year. Like everything seems like it went right for the Kings. So, what were your kind of thoughts and feelings through the season? And, and how'd you feel in, in general about how it went? Well,
1: I got proved wrong in every way possible by saying that, uh, you know, they can't get so far with just their offense and still remain a bottom five defense. And they sat right there at, I think it's 25 in defensive rating, at least from basketball reference but they were the best offense in the league when it comes to offensive rating. And that's just the De'Aaron and and Domas duo clicked right away. I mean, you saw that even in the season prior, the very first game when Sabonis was on the floor with De'Aaron after the Tyrese trade, it was just obvious that, okay, these are two high IQ guys. They complement each other. Well, they play off of both of each other. Well, both can be the initiator, but then it was just getting spacing around them. You mentioned Kevin Herter. Malik Monk was really important. Harrison Barnes, still a great three-point shooter. Keegan Murray setting rookie records for three-point shooting um, on, on total makes. And he did it on way fewer attempts than Donovan Mitchell. Um, there's, you mentioned Trey Lyles having his moments. Terrence Davis had moments. He had a 50 ball against the Knicks in a TNT game earlier this year. Um, so I think the stars really elevated. And it was just all the spacing and high IQ guys um, around them that just clicked, and Mike Brown had them playing extremely hard. Did a great job defining roles. It seemed like everybody bought into that, and just kind of everything came together at once, a lot faster than I think anybody expected.
0: Yeah, and it wasn't just like a regular season merchant team. I don't think because they they pushed the reigning champions to seven games in the first round and just. I mean, they fell victim to a Steph Curry 50-burger, but sometimes that's just going to happen. So, Brendan, what are your like expectations for this team next season? Are Are you hoping they take a step uh, and kind of get a win in the playoffs? Or do you think maybe they're likely to step back? That If we had some health luck this year, is the defense going to catch up with them? Where are you feeling like just in general heading into next season?
1: I think end goal should be to get out of the first round, but that's a lot easier said than done. Like, I think you still could have a first round exit and feel okay. Um, And even record wise, I mean, this team won 48 games last year. It's hard to expect more than that. I really don't think you reasonably can expect more than that. But what I think it needs to be is some sort of growth from Keegan Murray. I, I think just being a bit more aggressive in, not hunting his shots, but like when you're driving to the basket, just dunk the ball. Like Monty McNair, when he first got drafted, when he first drafted Keegan Murray immediately after in his presser, one of the things he mentioned is his dunk percentage, right? And it's not dunking on people, but it's just like, that's obviously the most efficient shot in basketball. And Keegan has the size athleticism to do that, but he's going up soft or he's not rebounding consistently, or he looks like he's adjusting to physicality. So I think there's growth from Keegan specifically. Um, But then after that, you just hope that Fox and Sabonis, I think can, take things to another level um, because Coach Brown has talked about De'Aaron Fox as if he thinks he can be elite in the NBA and that would just come with consistency. De'Aaron's been a guy that sort of ramps up throughout the course of the game and obviously fourth would be peak timing and he won that Clutch Player of the Year award but first half he's usually a little more quiet so can he do that more consistently? DeMontis Sabonis is easily that mid-range jumper that sort of elbow jumper that Golden State just dared him to shoot the entire time and it's kind of cliche, but I do sort of buy into like when you get beat in the playoffs, sometimes that means there's a recipe out there for how to play you. And I think that sagging off Domas or trying to make him a playmaker also um, is exactly what Golden State did. And, and Sabonis said right away that like, obviously I'm going to work on my jumper from that spot. And he shot at an okay rate. He just didn't get him up often enough in my mind to be comfortable. So I think it's growth from your main three. Really, and and whatever else you can get progression wise, can Namias Cada become a backup center? Can walk or can Kessler Edwards continue to grow? All that stuff would be great. Um, but you're going as far as as De'Aaron Domas and Keegan can take you. And I still think they're young enough and new enough as a core and group under this coaching staff that you can expect growth from all of them.
0: Yeah, I mean, De'Aaron Fox, I believe last season was this age twenty-five season. There's definitely still room for growth there um i thought that you mentioned that clutch player of the year i think the thing that really unlocked that was his comfortability taking shots off the dribble that was not something he always had in his game he he has flashed it throughout his career and even back to high school and college but it was never a consistent weapon and he turned it into a very consistent weapon this year including i mean i i believe it was the game six or seven where he hit like a big pull-up three um, and, and just that type of stuff is, is huge for him. And I think there's still upside there. Let's talk about, let's talk about the draft and and before we get into the specific picks or trading up or, or out or anything like that, Brendan, what do you think like the general team needs are for this team that they should be looking to address, whether it be through trade, through free agency or through the draft?
1: Yeah. Bryant West, who's the, uh, draft expert for the King's side. I write for it comes on my pod every once in a while. was just telling me he thinks they should pick any position at 24, um no matter and i kind of disagree i'm staying away from point guard center i think unless there's somebody there that it just is in a completely different tier or something but then i'm i'm staying away from it i i think that two guards are still totally in play like malik monk has one year left and then you're not going to have his bird rights cuz you only signed him for two initially kevin herter with harrison barnes potentially gone kevin herter becomes the salary match in any potential deal um i'm not sure i'm expecting that but i think that if there were a deal to be made where they tried to go acquire another star that like he would have to be involved there so there could be a hole that opens up there pretty quickly um and then wings forwards is just a need on this roster straight up i think that'd be the most ideal um position to fill you have keegan murray uh, sasha vezinkov seems like he possibly could come over and then Walker or Kessler Edwards is sitting there. I every time almost say Walker Kessler. No, without fail. Well,
0: um, I was so not to interrupt the story, but I went to a, a Jazz versus uh, Sacramento game this year. And my dad like could not just stop laughing at the idea that there's a Walker Kessler, Kessler Edwards like combo on the floor at the same time. He thought it was hilarious. So you're not the only one. It gets a lot of people
1: it's difficult way more difficult than it should be um but but wings are are definitely ideal you need more wing forward depth and and the kings still do, do need to get better defensively like i think you need to make sure that you don't lose your offensive identity and strength while chasing defensive improvement but i do think you need to find a way to get better there and that in my mind a lot comes from wing forward defense it's just totally lacking on this roster right now I think Kessler Edwards could be like, if he really hits, like could be the guy who helps fix that. But I'm with you that like,
0: you can't put all your eggs in that basket by any means, as much as I love Kessler Edwards. I also wanted to ask you briefly about uh, Harrison Barnes. He's of course a free agent. There are bird rights. Just, you you don't have to go super in depth, but do you expect him to be back on the Kings next season?
1: I don't, but I'm really not sure. Um, I, I lean towards no. I think him getting such limited minutes in those last playoff games was kind of the point for me, because prior to that, I mean, everybody rants about his veteran leadership. He's a great example. First guy in, last guy out, um, all that stereotypical stuff. And, and he's just a great human being from all accounts. You know, everybody jokes that he should run for office at some point. Like, I think he's a great example. He's the vet leader on the team with playoff experience, even if it was a good bit of go. Um, got a ring so I think there's value in all that it does a little bit of everything well but I think time is kind of just possibly come to an end I think it would make more sense for Harrison to go be a fifth starter on a really high caliber team um, I, I've seen Cleveland thrown around which I think is an interesting fit for Harrison Barnes um, but just the limited minutes that he got in those final playoff games I thought was pretty telling he defensively um, can struggle at times he's still okay in that aspect um, but doesn't get up the amount of three-point shots that you would want for a high for a efficient three-point shooter like he is and sometimes rebounding isn't there just kind of the little bit of the details so I lean towards no and um, that leaves you a big hole in your starting lineup the Kings starting lineup played significantly more minutes than any other five-man lineup in the league last year
0: yeah no I and and I think I will say my, my thought with Barnes and and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. The Kings kind of feel like a team of extremes, extremely good offense, extremely good defense, a lot of shooting and, you know, obviously lacking some like rim pressure or some rim protection, excuse me, on the other end. And it just felt like Barnes wasn't quite good enough at anything to be like a real value add to this team. Now he's the type of guy who I think really could help a team like the Cavs that just need like anything at the wing. But I, I feel like, what we saw with the Kings was that they're like our, our better units have, you know, another really good, like bomber type shooter out there. And that's what they went with. That's was like Kevin hurt, right? Kevin hurt in a really close games, like a Terrence Davis closing games or Davion Mitchell because Davion Mitchell could really guard Steph. Like you really saw that. And it just felt like Barnes kind of was just, he's just a good solid wing, but not really an above average at anything wing. And this team needs, above average at something. Everyone seems to have an extreme skill. Malik Monk and Kevin Herter are bombers. Obviously, Damanis Sabonis and and Fox are extremely talented offensive players. Even Murray is like an extremely good catch-and-shoot shooter who will just let those things fly. He's a good positional defender, um, but I'm with you. So let's talk a little bit about whether or not you think the Kings are looking to stick at 24. Um, Monty McNair feels like has not been super aggressive trading um, in the draft, or, or honestly, even in general, it feels like he's not a very aggressive trader aside from that uh, huge DeMontis bonus, Terry and blockbuster. Do you think there might be anyone they're looking up to trade for in the draft or looking to trade out of this pick to get another wing? Or do you think in all likelihood, they
1: just kind of stand pat at 24 and make the pick there? It seems uh, like there's a lot of talk around them trading the pick. And I'd imagine that's explored evenly to, to drafting, I think that if they can find a guy to fill that HB role, because I, I agree with a lot of what you said on Barnes, but it does leave you with a really big hole. Like if you lose HB and don't fill that void, then you're in a tough spot. So maybe you can go do that in trade. Um, this trade, this pick wasn't available to be traded because next year, uh, their pick is technically traded to Atlanta. So until draft night, it's not technically eligible to be traded with Steppian rule. Um, so maybe they, they've had a guy in mind and haven't been able to go and make that move. Um, I don't know exactly what 24 would get you, or maybe you try and attach Rashawn Holmes in 24 to a team with cap space and, and clear out money to try, go and try and make a splash in, and free agency. Like maybe they like a Kyle Kuzma, you know, I don't know that I love the idea of that, but something like that. Um, I, I think they will very actively be trying to, to trade out more likely for, just guys that they feel like can fit that like starting wing spot.
0: I will say that I do have some trouble seeing them swinging a trade for a starting wing because generally starting wings are worth a lot more than the 24th pick. And even if it's, you know, even if like a a herder is thrown in or something like that, like start legit starting threes who can make shots and play defense are getting talked about as guys who could get traded for the third overall pick. And I just think there's kind of a different level there. You mentioned Kyle Kuzma. I could definitely see that sign and trade type thing with the wizards, but um I, I'm just not I'm not confident they can really swing that trade. Stone, is there any guys who you think they could maybe look to trade up in the draft to target like that would be potentially starting caliber wing types? Uh it,
2: it's tough, like you said, because um even you know, back in lottery is probably going to go for quite a bit to move up from 24. Um, I I think a guy like Grady Dick could be pretty interesting if he were to fall into like the 11-12 range uh, and you have a package you could add to move up a little bit to get him. Um, I think – he, he isn't the walk-down perimeter defender you might want, but I think he also is rotationally really adept and, and can... um, If everyone else on the team is holding their own defensively, I think he could be a real difference maker uh, just in terms of being a help guy, being someone that can rotationally be there. um, I think he makes a lot of sense, too. Just He already fills the shooting that the Kings uh, love to have on the perimeter. Uh, I think he gives them even more of an upgrade in that regard over Harrison Barnes uh, in the shooting department. And you have just absolute knockdown guys, uh, you know, throughout this roster with him. Um, The other guy I would, I don't know how he fits really, but I think can be really interesting as a defender for them. And also uh, push the pace of it would be Anthony black. Again, it would be unlikely if he were to fall more into like the, back-end lottery of like 11 or 12 there's a world where it does happen um i just don't find it as super likely um but i think if you can package something with 24 to move up i think he provides a level of defense on the perimeter can be more of a secondary ball handle than they really have um and can really make this team super funky like I, i i really struggle to see how exactly he fits right now with the kings but i think he's a good enough player to even if he's not a primary initiator be a really strong connective player um, and just keep the ball moving offensively and attack uh, on closeouts and and rip throughs Um, I think he just adds a different level of dynamicism that they don't really have uh, or didn't have last season Um, so those would be the two guys that I think you know in the unlikely scenario they fall uh past 10 or something I'd, I'd be looking to trade up for
0: yeah i think those are two good names it is hard like in this draft because it feels in some ways so flat from uh you know from like 12 to to basically 24 25 it can sometimes be hard to identify guys so maybe we can just bring up guys at 24 and if they're a little ahead of this like they they do the kings also have the matching salary of rashawn holmes who you know if they just wanted to move up like like the the Grizzlies did to get Brandon Clark, where they just move up like four or five spots to secure their guy, Um, they could at least have some magic salary, maybe take something else on, or, you know, attach a future first or or something like that. Brendan, who are some guys who stand out to you that could be around at pick 24, who you would be really ecstatic should they draft?
1: Yeah, I guess we'll start with the stereotypical one that I always roll my eyes at when I see him in mock drafts, Um, but Chris Murray is somebody that if he is available there um, and I I don't know that I expect him to be, but you're just talking a wing that can do a little bit of everything and, you know, Sacramento, I think needs somebody to fill that spot. It is sort of HB ish. um, And I don't, I don't really care for the twin storyline, but I guess it would be kind of fun. Um, But I think it's just more so positionally doing everything. I think his catch and shoot numbers were still super intriguing, obviously. Um, And I think just, Positionally, that makes a lot of sense for Sacramento. Um, a guy that I don't think will be there at 24, but more so fits sort of in that trade-ups is um why am I uh Leonard Miller. I the the shot does concern me. Um, but I'm a sucker for guys that can play defense at that level. Um, and I, I think there's other intriguing skills there as well. And again, positionally, like having that sort of defense at that size, I think is something that Sacramento is just really really lacking um and and i like the other g league player as well um is it sidey i'm so bad on this first name so
0: so I, I believe it's Sissoko, city Sosoko, but i honestly could be wrong because i never listen to the
1: commentators so either I way heard Citi,
2: city and cd it's perfect yeah
1: <laughs> no i'm the same i don't watch with audio so then i sound like an idiot when i'm up here talking about somebody and don't even know how to say their name but i swear i've seen it um sidey Sosoko, I, I think is somebody that's intriguing to me and he more likely to be there at 24 than than Littert Miller. And again, it, it's just size, more so strength when it comes to Sissoko. Um, defense is there. The three-point shot is still a question mark, but I think that playmaking is super intriguing and ball and player movement is something that's really important in Sacramento's offense. And I think he fits into that. Yeah, absolutely. A couple guys stand out for me.
0: I don't know where Bryce Bryson's range is, but it seems to be lower than I would have him um and he is like sort of a weird fit here but I think he's strong enough to play the three I think I don't think the defense is as bad as sometimes advertised um he's strong he has good feel just another elite shooter who can also kind of be a secondary shot creator because I actually I think that's sort of a sneaky need Malik Monk can sometimes secondary shot create but we saw like Damanis Sabonis is sometimes not capable of doing that in the in the biggest moments and, and maybe that'll change, but. I will I take another bet at that. If he's around at 24, he's like an absolute steal to me. So, you know, the fit might be a question, but he seems like a, a great fit. Um, another guy who some will see this as, as as maybe a bit of a reach, but he's going to go in the first round. And I I think the Kings will be an all right spot for him is Bobby Clintman. Um, I think Clintman can hit open shots. He's an elite ground coverage guy, which I think is something that could really work with this defense, especially if they're going to keep doing the Sabonis hard hedge and traps and stuff. Um, you know, he's, he's raw, but I don't think he's, you know, I, I think he's someone who could eventually be like a starting caliber forward if things click. And I do like his fit with, um, with Keegan Murray, at least in the abstract stone, is there anyone who you would really, really like at
2: 24? Uh, yes, but I'll save him for pick 38. Cause I think it's more likely that's his range. Uh, and I don't really have any other names to add to other than the guys you've already listed. So. So there's a couple oh, guys that
1: stand out to me where I'm like not sure. I'm like intrigued, but I'm like, is this 24 or 38 that I'm talking about? And it's hard to tell. Go ahead, go ahead and list them here, and 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 we can kind of discuss some of those
0: guys because I think you're right to say that because this draft feels so flat. Like, there it, it does feel like there's very little consensus from you know basically the end of the lottery to even the back of the second round. There are guys who could go like at 24 or could go undrafted and it's hard to really say which way or the other
1: they're going to go. So go ahead and name. If you have a couple more names that you're interested in. Yeah. So Max Lewis is a 24, not a 38, right?
0: Probably. I, I think he's probably going to be gone by 38. But again, like it's hard to say. Right. I think in most
2: cases, he's a first round guy. Mm-hmm. Probably. What about like Colby Jones?
0: That's I'm guessing that's who Stone wanted to say at 38. Um. I feel it's like not, he's not, but oh. I think is probably a first rounder he's an he's interesting he's a guy who i have a really hard time getting a feel for because a lot of like draft twitter loves him but i feel like the consensus hasn't quite caught up to that but i think he could be the type of guy to see a late rise but i find him really interesting
1: okay um julian strother he's probably more probably around
2: me, yeah but it okay. just
1: depends it just depends like
2: I, I think at
0: a certain point like he could have like an electric workout where he shoots like 95 out of 100 threes in a spot shooting session and and some team is just like yeah that's a first rounder for us
1: all right and last one i'll throw your way julian phillips
0: i I love phillips and i love phillips here um i don't know i'm guessing with him deciding to stay in he thinks he has the upside to go here i would really love that pagan. i actually kind of want to talk about that a little bit you talk about wanting to really improve defensively. I think Julian Phillips is like a top five defensive prospect in this draft. Uh, he was a really good shooter in high school. He didn't shoot a ton at Tennessee, but he like he played um, for Link Prep in high school and uh, he shot a ton. He played next to Tars Reed, who was like this this good passing post, and they had really good chemistry. And I think he can really shoot. Not maybe not be like an elite shooter, but he can hit like the corner threes that. <laughs> He can basically have Keegan Murray shot diet on like a slightly less attempts and be fine. And his defense is really, really good on the ball, off the ball. He's strong. He's long. He's like a borderline lottery ish guy for me. And I'd be really intrigued to get him here. So I think that is a really great name to bring up. Um, Yeah. Stone, any of those three guys stand out to you as
2: potentially interesting. I really like Colby Jones a lot. Uh, Coop's not here to talk about him too, but both of us are really on him. I think he's worth probably a top 20 pick. I would take him here at 24. Um, I think this is probably right around his range. Maybe he dips further, but uh, if you like a guy, I, I'm usually a proponent of just taking him where you like him. Um, I think that he is uh, adds a different level of backup guard and then also... You can play small with him as a wing, too, as like a three. Um, I think he just adds a lot of lineup versatility for you. Uh, Bring something I think Davion doesn't as a backup guard, uh, which is more of just like a steady guy who could run, pick and roll all all the time and um, continue to be like a multi-positional defender. Even if he's playing at the guard, he doesn't necessarily have to defend other guards. Um, So I like what he brings, and I think – uh, it could be a pretty interesting pick for the Kings.
0: Yeah. Brendan, is there anyone who you would, and, and honestly, like when we're in this range, we've talked about this with a couple of teams who have picks around here. It's hard to come up with reaches, but are there any guys who should the Kings draft uh, at this pick? You'd be pretty upset with, or are you would, at the very least not really see the vision?
1: Um, probably any sort of just like traditional center, um, Just because that's the role to me where you're just not playing two of them. You know, like you if you got another point, I could talk myself into playing him some minutes alongside De'Aaron. But if it's just a traditional big that you can't picture playing alongside Sabonis, then I would have trouble with that at 24. Um, I wouldn't hate it at 38, though, because backup center was a pretty big problem last year.
0: Yeah, and that's I let's save the centers who we could potentially talk about at 38. There's actually two more names I wanted to bring up that I, I should have brought these guys up earlier. Bal Kulabali, if this team wanted to take like an upside swing, like fascinating, fascinating player. I don't know, like it's it probably not gonna see early returns, but another guy who I think would really excel in this like up-tempo, cut-based offense. Um, and if he can shoot, he's definitely a guy. Um, and then this is another one where it's like, I don't know exactly where he lands, but I do think that um, Amari Bailey could potentially be interesting here. I, he's probably not a first round pick, but I, I get like, should he be at 38 too? Like those are two guys who I think really just fit this scheme. Well, can bring a defensive uh, verve to the wing um, can play in this kind of movement scheme. So I'd be all for that. You mentioned maybe wanting a big,
1: who are some bigs at 38 who you'd be pretty intrigued by, Brendan? I mean, I definitely like Trace Jackson Davis, but he seems pretty polarizing when it comes to just what his range is. Um, Like even just what I have in front of me right now, like Tankathon has him sitting at 31, and Bassini's mock had him going 54 to Sacramento. Um, so he's intriguing to me, but I, I love the idea of having a backup big that can, that can pass and sort of keep that same style there with um what you play with with DeMontis Sabonis and after that you know like at 38 you guys tell me if there's anybody that comes to your mind but like I don't know what other centers really stand out to me in this range like I feel like there's some earlier that I could see going and then maybe I don't I mean I'm not as deep into the 40s 50s maybe as as you guys are but uh I don't know there's not too many that stand out to me around this range
0: I think Colin Castleton is worth a mention here. He's probably lower on like mocks and stuff, but I, I think he could actually get up into this range, especially with, you You realize the guys who dropped out yesterday, a lot of those backup big prospects, Zach Eady, Dayron Holmes, a lot of those guys who I think people would have expected to be at 38 above him, or at least in the same like range as him have kind of left. And Colin Castleton, I think also allows you to do that same type of stuff. He's not as like grab and go mobile as Demontis bonus but he can't like he can play the same defensive style where he's getting up to the level of the screen he's pretty he's more laterally quick than i think some people realize and he's a very good passer who can absolutely run a lot of those split actions uh dho stuff with a backup unit I, i'd be fascinated to see like what him and davion look like as a duo uh, you know or him and malik monk running dho so i think he's another guy who stands out to me um you know other than that it's tough because even like ryan cockbrenner's back like there is a a major dearth of bigs maybe this is a james naji range now naji is a lot like um a lot like nomad Kita, who kind of felt like a project pick based on like body you know and kato might pay off like it's he's he was drafted what two three years ago now and kind of looks like he's maybe rounding into form and, and uh, the runner up for G league MVP for what yeah, counts. Absolutely. And, and maybe he's the backup big next year. So, you know, if you're happy with that process, he was at 39, I believe. And if you're happy with that process, maybe Najee goes here. I think Najee's really raw. Um And, and, and like, he definitely can't operate in the same, like DHO, get to the level stuff that you do with Sabonis. But if you just want to completely change styles and run a, drop pick and roll maybe you could do that stone is three i that might be all the bigs honestly in this range is there anyone else who stands out in, in like the non-big area that you would like here
2: um yeah so i i i'll go with julian phillips other link academy teammate uh jordan walsh um i i really really here's who I was going to bring up at 24 um i'm all in on him as being a first-round caliber prospect even if he doesn't get picked in that uh, sort of range. Uh, I think defensively, he brings a lot to this team. Uh, can really guard up and down lineups. Um, I think the offense is a real concern for a lot of people. But um, watching him at Link and the Geico National Tournament, like I think there's a lot of untapped passing potential with him and a lot of movement schemes. Uh, and I think the shooting is not broken by any means. Like I think it might take a couple years to round into full form, but I think. It's very much worth the investment you put into him for the short-term gains that he can give you defensively. Um, the other guy I would mention um, who I am not fully sold on um, as as being like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if i take him here, but I like him for the king, so I'm going to say him anyways. Uh, uh, Jalen Slosson, Um, I think he provides uh, some real interesting uh, – passing um and and as like a dunker spot type guy uh and then defensively has like really quick hands which we talked about not a very great athlete um but i think in the king's specific system could be somewhat of a backup five uh who i think fills that role um and i think even if i don't have him here i think he can provide this sort of value uh just with the sort of context that he'd be in um and the last guy i'll bring up is jordan miller i think jordan miller uh, is a really strong wing uh, who can play both ends, finish with either hand, just really solid, pretty much all the way around. Um, decent spot-up guy, decent passer in the short role. Like, I think there's a lot of good things about Miller that aren't elite, but can contribute to a, a playoff team. Like, I think he has a shot to be in a uh, a playoff rotation. So to get that at 38 would be pretty interesting to me.
0: Yeah, so... Every time we do this, I sort of have this realization that p- splitting the second round, like I tried to do, like, who's going to pick 38? Who's going to pick 54? It's hard to really say. Like, Slossin could actually be there at 54. He could be an undrafted free agent. So, like, I guess like sometimes it makes sense to just kind of throw names out there all in one bundle. I'll also throw out Tristan Vucevic. Um, he's, another, like, take another bet on a Euro big to fill that backup center role. Like, I think he's super skilled. Um, the defense is going to be bad, but... That's maybe like with a backup big, I think you can survive that. And I think there's a world like he can kind of fill like a Trey Lyles role if he really hits. And obviously, we've seen that be valuable. Brendan, are there any other names just like anywhere in the draft? You know, pick 54, UDFA, pick 38. Are there any other names that stand out to you as potentially interesting?
1: Um, I think we mentioned Julian Strother earlier. He's kind of interesting to me just because I think that shooting guard situation like could become Herder and Monk are so important to the team. And I think like there's a scenario where after next year, both of them are not on the roster. And like, it feels like right now that's not a need, but I'm just kind of thinking it through. Maybe it could be sooner than you think. And that's so essential to this theme, this team that maybe I think about that. Um, Kobe Brown is interesting to me. I'm not hundred percent on if that three point shot is, is real. Um, and defense isn't amazing, but I love the I like the size, the playmaking that's there as well to keep up the flow of the offense is kind of intriguing to me. Um, so those would probably be the the other two that stand out to me right now.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's a like it's a fun group of names, and and you know we could spend all day naming UDFA's. I think this would be a great Angelo Allegri landing spot. He's another fun wing. You know, is Amani Bates coming to the conversation somewhere? Maybe, probably not, but you never know. This is a team that that when you need wings like just take bets on wings. That's, that's my whole thing. Like there's a, there's not a ton in this class. Cause so many are going back to school. Like this would have been an excellent Dylan Jones landing spot had he been here, but he's not. And, and that's just kind of too bad. But let's talk about kind of wrapping up this overall off season that this ideal or, or maybe not ideal, like how things might look. We always like to ask our guests, what's the worst case scenario? What's the best case scenario, Brendan, what's your worst case
1: scenario off season for the Kings? Um, probably drafting another Bagley is probably up there um no, I'm just just messing around I, I think that um
0: trade up trade up to three and uh, yeah and
1: draft uh
0: you know maybe maybe Brandon Miller maybe uh, someone right. else depending on who your uh however
1: your predilection <laughs> falls but no I I absolutely I I feel that that's uh that's an absolute worst case scenario. <laughs> Um, I, I think it's really not finding a good replacement for Barnes is, is the biggest thing for me is that you need somebody that's going to be able to step in that spot. And even if it is just bringing Harrison Barnes back. And so I, I think that you very much need to sa- find some sort of, of progress there. And I, I think that like, if you aren't able to bring Sasha Vezenkov over, which it seems like they really want to. And I think that he'd be able to play an okay role. Then Like just what is your wing and forwards look like? Because there's, there's a decent chance that you feel somewhat comfortable to run it back. And then turns out like, Oh, health was a very big factor into in their success last year, just being one of the healthier teams in the league and within their organization, they'd tell you, well, Domas was playing with a fractured thumb the entire season, but he still was playing. Um, So I don't know because they have so much of their core locked up. There's not like a doomsday scenario which is the first time I've been able to say that for a while for Sacramento. But I think the biggest thing is just not finding another starter to go next to Keegan Murray. If, if Harrison Barnes walks.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. And it's a great place to be in where you say there's no doomsday scenario, right? Like there's for a lot of teams, especially like higher in the draft or older or whatever, there's a lot of volatility, but for the Kings, they feel like they're a team that's set up to be fairly competitive. I think next season will be really indicative. Like how much is health if, if, Demontis misses like 30 games next year you know how does that affect this team no idea we're, we're gonna have to see I, I think they could be fine but there's also a chance they're not I did think depth was potentially an issue for this team that they were just never really confronted with so I, I'd be fascinated to see what that looks like um Brendan what's like your best case scenario and and the obvious answer is probably find a good Harrison Barnes replacement so if you don't mind being a little more
1: specific like who would your preferred Barnes replacements be Yeah, I think that um, first of all, like, I mean, it's, it doesn't necessarily go into off season moves or anything, but I think one of the biggest best case scenarios is just having some significant internal improvement, whether that's De'Aaron or Domas or, or Keegan Murray, or, I mean, a lot of these other guys are fairly young too, where you could see one of um, Herter or Monk taking a jump, or there's Davion Mitchell or Kessler Edwards. Um, So I think internal improvement would be pretty big. Um, If you can dump homes for, without giving up too much. I think that would be pretty big as well. I believe it's three years remaining on that deal. I think I have that right. Um, and I think that freeing up that cap space could be pretty important. And and the guys that stand out to me is like, if you can go and I mean, this, every team says this, but if you can attempt to go get an OG Ananobi, you know, and they do have picks locked up because of the Kevin Herter deal. Um, but I think it's pretty easy to remove those restrictions and you'd feel more comfortable just going to Atlanta and being like, all right, next year is going to be unrestricted because of the success you had last year. And if you lift those restrictions, then you have access to to future firsts. And I think they think that they can um, lift those restrictions pretty easily if need be. OG and Anobi stands out. If, if they did renounce all their rights to everybody um, they could get to, I think it's about 28 million in cap space. Um, And it's not the most popular opinion, but I do kind of like a Jeremy Grant who's out there as a free agent. I I like the bit of rim protection. Like rim protection and three-point shooting from a four is, I think, a dream. Or if you get a five to do it, I guess. Um, but like that's really what you need alongside Sabonis, right? You need somebody that can still play his style of ball offensively, but a another rim protector. And I think that Jeremy Grant and Oji Ananobi fall into that a little bit. So those are two guys that um definitely stand out to me there or or if you have some uh, money that you want to re- throw at a restricted guy, is like PJ Washington, somebody that could be interesting as sort of a, a play finisher at, next to Keegan Murray. Really love all those names. And uh, I, I
0: will say, I don't know if I, if I'd uh, be looking for a three and D five, because uh, I believe Devonis bonus has a lot of familiarity playing with miles Turner. yeah, And uh, that did not necessarily go all that well. I mean, I will say, like, rim protection is huge, but I think Sabonis showed that at the very least he could, like, handle himself defensively in the playoffs, which I think maybe surprised some. Like, I thought he looked all right towards the end of that Warriors series. He's not good, but if his offense is humming, like, he can be a survivable defensive piece as the five. You just have to have good enough guys around him. Um, So I I would be fascinated to see how that looks. Brennan, we can't thank you enough. Again, three years running, like, it's a... You're a hero. You're one of the best in the business. I've I've loved seeing your stuff like and throughout these three years, you know, I feel like we've all really grown and and, and you've grown a lot in terms of following in terms of the work you do. So it's all great stuff. Let's people know where they can find all that great work.
1: I appreciate you guys, and I'm going to share the love back. I uh, definitely time of year. Usually, I'm getting into the draft a lot earlier. I got to say, this has been a different draft cycle for me, um, and even just debating picking at 24 compared to lottery picks, it's a very different draft cycle for me. But every time this time of year, you guys are are one of my listens. So uh, great work on your guys' side as well. And uh, for me, it's Kings Pulse Podcast, Kings Beat Podcast, and then writing for the Kings Herald. But as always, glad to come on, guys. Yeah, absolutely. And all of Brendan's stuff will be tagged down below. Again, I cannot recommend Kings
0: Pulse enough. I think it is one of the better team specific pods out there. I love I, it's, it's it was a it was a weekly listen for me, at least this year, because I was so into the I was so into watching the Kings that I, I just had to make sure I was I was consistently keeping up and Brendan's my go-to there. Um we can't thank him enough for stone outport underscore court. I'm at Bryce Court team. Give us a like or a new review, all that fun stuff. Check out the website if you want all our quick notes on the Sacramento Kings what we think they should do in the draft. This has been the Upside Swings to draft podcast. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you. We'd once again like to thank the people at GlobalshopSolutions.com. Simplify your manufacturing and schedule a demo today at GlobalshopSolutions.com. Thanks again for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks again for listening. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.